You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. Well, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Bishop Philip Huggins. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with our Anglican terminology, Bishop is one of the senior leaders in the Anglican Church. Bishop Philip is in charge of Anglican churches in the north and western suburbs of Melbourne and is going to be preaching for us tonight. So welcome. In the name of God. Amen. Well, it was very moving and very beautiful to listen to those testimonies, wasn't it? Let me just try and capture a few little thoughts related to what we heard from the folk who are being baptised and confirmed, but in the context of the readings that we've just heard, particularly that reading uh, from Luke chapter 1, 46 to 56, if you've got that there. Just to put it in the context, um, the gospel writer is setting the scene for the birth of Jesus, birth of our Saviour. And there's lots of angels, lots of angels in those early chapters. Uh, there's an angel and they bring messages. That's the purpose of the angel, to bring a message from God to a person of faith. So one angel goes to a, an old priest called Zechariah and uh, tells him that his wife of significant years is going to have a, a child. He finds this fairly incomprehensible and uh, later on he recognises the truth of it and comes around to uh, an obedience to that as God's plan. The other angel, Gabriel, comes to, to Mary and you would have seen this perhaps in some of the great art, the Annunciation, as uh, this young woman, this young person, which is a resonance uh, with the young folk being confirmed tonight, comes to this young person and her immediate response is a yes to God's plan. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And so from early in the in the Christian era, uh, Mary has been seen as an example for us of discipleship because of that spontaneous obedience to God's purpose in her life. She accepts it. There's a lovely intersection between then the two women, Mary and Elizabeth. We've just heard she goes and stays three months. You know, we can imagine the conversation between these two Women, now knowing that they're pregnant, and uh, one to bear John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus, and then their lives get get connected into the whole salvation story for the redemption of the whole world. And within her obedience, which is something that for us is a good thing to be aware of, she nevertheless is ready to ask questions. So... She asks a question for, for guidance. How can this be? How can this be that I am pregnant when I am a virgin? And we've heard that question raised in many a nativity play through the years. We're in that era now or that period of the December where there's lots of nativity plays going on. And I was at one recently where uh, there was just this coming into Christmas and the youngsters, youngsters who were natural comedians were doing, doing the nativity scene. And the narrator said that uh, 
and Mary gave birth to her baby Jesus, but unfortunately, in the rush of getting organized, they'd forgotten to bring the, the kind of doll onto the set. And uh, as the narrator said this, everybody looked and suddenly from left stage, this doll went <laughs> And the Mary of the night, like a great footballer, took a great chess mark. And there it was. <laughs> Mary gave birth to a baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the context, you know, and we're weaving our way into that. But just a couple of things about this hymn of hers, this hymn of this Magnificat, it's called, and it's been a long time canticle of the church, many settings, sung versions of the Magnificat. Just a couple of things that might help uh, with the journey of faith of those being baptized and confirmed and things I try to remember myself. First one, there at verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. She begins with thanksgiving and praise. And that's the model from there and for many other places in the scripture for all of our praying to begin with thanksgiving, to begin with thanksgiving and praise as the beginning place for our worship. It's an ancient and a best pattern for our our, our response to God is to begin with thanksgiving and praise. So just a couple of practical things. I try to make God my first thought in the morning. So you know you're waking up and you're aware you're still here, you know. <laughs> here we are, we're still here. Another day has been gifted to us. And I try to remember to say thanks be to God and... Um, you know, to share that with my wife, although, you know, married more than 40 years, she doesn't like being woken up by me, <laughs> being too full of praise too early in the day. And I don't always remember either. Like, the, we had a late night last night with a big service in the cathedral, and I had an early start this morning. And uh, so this morning, my first thought was, that sounds like the alarm. <laughs> but trying to make God our first thought in the morning... And then through the day, I pray the Jesus prayer, which is often called the prayer of the heart. Jesus, have mercy. I learned this many, many years ago because I had a very active um, mind and, and I, I picked up that you know, I really wasn't in control of what my, where my thinking took me. And I found this through the Orthodox tradition, this prayer of the heart, Jesus, have mercy. And I've prayed it now many, many years to the point where once it was sort of in the top of my head, now it's more in my heart and I often find the prayer praying in me. But it's the most beautiful prayer. It's focused on the name, the name of Jesus. And, you know, as I've prayed the prayer over the years, you know, you just get more of a beautiful awareness of, of how wonderful our Saviour Jesus is and also a growing awareness of the mysterious but wonderful connection between name and presence. Jesus says to us, when, I, when you gather in my name, I'm in your midst. And there is this wonderful connection between praying his name and being aware of his presence in spirit. But more practically, the, the prayer 
gives you a way of kind of circuit breaking when your thinking is going in the wrong direction. Just to kind of back up a bit, it's a matter of fact that our thinking shapes what we say and what we do. And the pattern of our thinking and then our saying and our doing over time creates our character and really thus creates our destiny. So it's really important to be able to determine what we're going to think about. And the mind, in a way, can become kind of totalitarian where it's a closed system. And sometimes you can become aware you're thinking of things the direction of which you just don't want to keep going in. And uh, if before long you lose that self-awareness and you just become that thinking. So that's the place where it's just so wonderful and it just gives me awareness and us awareness of the power in the name of Jesus to pray, Jesus have mercy, Jesus have mercy, to break through that otherwise pattern that leads to deterioration in where one's thinking and then one's action going. It's really important in terms of truly being free, to really being a free person of God, to be able to, de to determine what you're going to think about and what it's going to lead you to say and what it's going to lead you to do. So I recommend this prayer. You can look it up on the net. Prayer of the heart, Jesus prayer. And just praying it through the day, it's such a wonderful centering for me, so centering. And when I have you know, meetings and things where I really want to make sure that I'm focused on what God wants in this and where I'm really praying for discernment in the Holy Spirit to be able to prepare for that midst all the rush and flurry of life, just to have that prayer, Jesus have mercy, Jesus have mercy, to center me back into God and into the Holy Spirit uh, before things happen. It's just a wonderful gift, a beautiful gift. So I commend that as part of our praying, our praying and our praising. And the third, you know, section of the day, the night, just to pass on, there's a very ancient prayer in the book of Compline and also in our prayer at the end of the day in our prayer book, which when our children were very little, they're now very much adult, I found it and I, I began to pray it when, when they, the youngest the child, the first child was sleeping and you go in, you know, as parents do, to see they're all right, check they're okay, and then to pray a night prayer over them. And if anyone likes, I'll write it out for you afterwards. But it goes like this. Lord, be the guest of our home and the homes of those we love, which is a chance to pray for, you know, loved ones near and far. Be the guest of our home and the homes of those we love Keep far from us all trouble, all danger, all deceits of the evil one. May your holy angels watch over us and be the guardians of our peace and your blessing rest always upon us through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's a beautiful prayer and something real. When I was uh, just as pass it on, we lived at that time in Na Nagoon North. Is anybody else? Nobody from the centre of the universe, as far as I can work out. <laughs> we, you know, young parents, we're trying to give our children a bit of a bush childhood because I grew up in the bush. And um, my wife, she's, she's not here, I can say this. She talked me into getting a cow so we could milk a cow and <laughs> give them fresh milk.
And I read, you know, middle of winter, you've got to try and go and find a cow in a paddock in West Gippsland and go and milk it. No. <laughs> anyway, we did all of these things. But then, so we're up there in West Gippsland, and one night I prayed this prayer, and, um, you know, I just became aware, like a, from, from the Most High, that I could not be a good parent and just attend to saying prayers with my children, being attentive to their nutrition, giving them clean air to grow up in. You know, it actually, the things happening in the world, I had to engage those things, things to do with justice and peace, that, that my calling, res- responsibility as a parent, as a Christian parent, involved getting in, engaged in all those national and international issues. And so that's roughly what then happened and been through my ministry, uh, trying to balance doing the very local things, but also having this, this wider engagement as part of just trying to create the best kind of world for one's children. And now for me, it's for one's grandchildren. And um, so... And so perhaps just a little bit and to conclude uh, because we're, well, there's a lot to put into the night. <laughs> I've, got, I've got the schedule here. <laughs> I can see how long I've actually got. This is <laughs> down to the 32nd. <laughs> so the second little reflection on Mary's song is, the, is about justice, God's justice. And she says, you, you know, in this, in this Magnificat. He's shown strength with his arms, scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the lowly, filled the hungry with good things. And it's really speaking about God's yearning for justice for all God's people to live well together, that God has this plan for the whole human family to live well together in full compassion and peace and justice, which is there echoed in the psalm we listen to as well. So just to tell a couple of stories about that in our current in our current context. So just quickly to pass them on, because there's lots of stories flying around tonight. Last Sunday, this is a tough story, last Sunday I was at Holy Apostles Church in Sunshine, which is part of the area I look after and I was there because there's people in that church who come from a community in the upper Nile section of South Sudan and their community had been ravaged by marauding um, invaders basically and they were reeling from as they got the reports of what had happened and many people killed and the all of the children, absolutely all of the children, were either killed or they were kidnapped, taken away into human trafficking and, and the consequences of that. And the parents do not, the parents that are still alive do not expect to see them again. That's happened to a community of our church in, in Sunshine. So as a response, and this is God's justice and our justice, you know, putting that out there and people have responded so magnificently and so generously to the point where on Friday I could send to the bishop in um, that section of southern Sudan about $10,000 to be able to look after the people 
uh, who are going to need medical and other assistance. So God's justice, God's justice imprinted on our hearts and our, in our spirit leads to these wonderful responses. And I know just looking at the, the generosity of spirit of this parish and the ways in which people, grateful for the God's gift of God's self in Jesus, are responding through tear fund and Anglicare and one thing or another in this Christmas season. And the other little story to share is really to say, you know, one thing can lead to another and you never quite know where it's going to end up. So I got this new hat and uh, put it on. Yeah? Yeah? What do you reckon? <laughs> anybody, it's anybody here been to Pakistan or got connections to Pakistan? Yeah? Just a couple of people? So you'd recognise the hat, wouldn't you? So, um, again, it's a tough story to start with, but there were some shocking um, um, sufferings of the people in Pakistan, and we had held services in our cathedral after, after terrorist attacks in All Saints Peshawar and in, at Easter at Lahore. And out of that, I got some involvement, and one thing led to another, and I went to Pakistan for the Christian Conference of Asia, and a couple of weeks ago to the UN to support the Pakistani church in its pursuit of better human rights, particularly around the appalling application of blasphemy laws, the way young women get forced to marry, forced to convert, and around uh, just the unequal uh, and discriminatory access to education and employment. And I met uh, the Bishop of Peshawar, who we supported, like the church in South Sudan, a couple of years ago, and he gave me his hat, and I gave him my Geelong beanie. So, <laughs> somewhere north of Pakistan, there's a fellow wandering around, go cats. <laughs> anyway, worth it, he gave me a story, which, you know, is really a story about the how, the, how important the Christian church is to hang in, build relationships, keep praying, keep open the door to dialogue and conversation, you know, to, to let a new day dawn, to let God's redemptive spirit operate, God's way of bringing new life out of terrible circumstances. So he's been there 15 years in Peshawar, northern part of Pakistan, porous border with Afghanistan, terrible invasions of terrorists post 9-11, a very brave man, very, very brave man, as others have left. And uh, he's tried to befriend the Taliban leaders, seeing through the propaganda that they've imbibed, through this and that, there's a human being in there made in God's image who wants a better outcome. Anyway, so he told me this story of a Taliban leader recently who got injured and had to come to their hospital, the Christian hospital of the Diocese of Peshawar. So this guy arrives, and he's very aggressive, very uneasy and very tense, but he didn't have any choice. And he comes in, and he goes in, and they put him in a hospital room, a, a, a bed, and he sees the cross on the wall, and he says, that cross has got to go. You've got to get that cross out of my room straight away. 
And the people said to him, well, no, this is a Christian hospital. That cross is part of who we are. That cross is staying. So he was there and he got good medical treatment. And the point of the story is, by the end, by the time he left the hospital, his whole demeanour had transformed. The person who came so fierce, so on edge, so confrontational, had melted away because of the care he'd had, because of the opportunity for some interaction, the relationships became normal, just normal human life. And as he left, he said to the bishop, you know, your hospital was on the list to be completely destroyed and everybody in it. You're now off the list. And it just, for the bishop, it just, you know, we talked about it and essentially, you do, for us all, it's for all of us, you just do the good you can do. You don't know where it leads. You just cannot know where it might lead. But all we can do is just do the good that's there for us, each of us in our own circumstances, and let, let that go where God will take it. I've got a kind of a, maybe a bumper sticker in it, Probably need a big truck to fit it on, but <laughs> might it goes like this: Try to do good, try not to do any harm, stay in love with God, which kind of summarizes for me a way to live. Try to do good, try not to do any harm, stay in love with God. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.